Chapter 2 The air was thick and moist. The dark summer clouds dimmed the fading light of the sun as dusk fell upon Alpin, and the three younger Scots. They had trailed the Vikings for miles, but remained behind them. How far behind, they did not know. The path had led them north out of Renton, and had turned west at the far end of Loch Lomond. Alpin rode beside his son. A light drizzle began to fall. Alpin turned his head to look back at Les and Ronan. He paused for a moment and then called, to the two, we'll find a place to rest for the night. Yes, someplace dry would do, Ronan responded. Alpin glanced at Chorich and then peered back a second time, turning farther in his saddle and scanning the path to the rear. Follow me, be quick about it, he said. He snapped his reins and raced ahead of Chorich, abruptly veering right and leaving the path. Alpin's sudden departure alarmed Chorich, and he hurried after his father. Les and Ronan trailed close behind. Alpin steered his horse through the timber line and into a small creek measuring twenty feet across at its widest point and four feet deep in the center. Patches of brush and saplings lined either bank, often hiding themselves below the sprawling branches of the occasional willow. Alpin and the three rode the middle of the creek a fair distance upstream before cutting to the opposite bank. Reaching the far side, the group rode parallel to the creek west for several hundred yards before stopping at the base of a craggy hill. There, five large boulders sat in a disjointed half-circle. Are we camping here? Chorich asked. We'll see. We are not alone. We're not alone? Chorich exclaimed. What do you mean? Someone was behind us on the path. Alpin dismounted and wedged his horse's lead into a crack in the rocks. What makes you say that, Alpin? What did you see? Les asked. He dismounted, grabbed his bow, and began to seat its string. Men on horseback, they were trailing us in the distance. I don't know who they were, but I'm not taking any chances. That's why we moved through the creek. It may have thrown them off if they were following us. Could it have been my father and the men? Ronan asked. The group was too small. I would have known if it was them. What I saw appeared to be a couple of riders, but we can't be sure if they're friendly, Alpin said. He untied his leather water sack from his horse and took a drink to wet his throat. Chorich, you and I will head to the creek again. We will cross over on foot and watch the path to see if the riders pass. Les and Ronan, you two take cover between the rocks. Listen with your ears, your eyes will do little good with night upon us. Chorich grabbed his crossbow from his horse. He followed his father, who had disappeared into the bushes at the edge of the creek. By the time Chorich broke through the brush, his father was standing waist-deep in the slow-moving water. With the sunlight gone, Chorich could only see the outline of his father's figure. Chorich stepped into the creek and waded to his father. The two remained still for a long moment, standing like stone statues in the black current, scanning the woody world around them. We say no more, every sound will betray us, Alpin whispered. He turned and crept silently across the creek to the far side. Chorich followed. At the opposite bank, the two lowered to the ground and crawled through a narrow gap within a copse of wild laurels, continuing on their bellies until they cleared the brush. With even a trace of light, they would have been able to spy the coming riders on the path. But in the darkness, they could only listen. The two crouched next to one another, waiting and listening over the soft sound of the trickling creek. Without a word, 
Chorich eased an arrow onto the shaft of his crossbow and set the trigger. Alpin startled when the arrow engaged. Don't be anxious. Let them come to us, he whispered. I want to be ready. You're plenty ready, we'll hear them coming well before they reach us. The two remained in the silence of the trees, motionless. The sprinkling rain came and went. No sounds of approaching riders. No hoofbeats. No murmuring voices. No clatter of swords against buckles or belts, only an empty darkness, and the trickle of the creek. Alpin tapped Chorich's shoulder. We've been here long enough. They're not coming this way, not tonight. We'll go back. The two snuck back to the creek, waded through the water, and crossed to the opposite bank. Lifting from the water, Alpin raised his hands to push through the brush at the water's edge. Chorich grabbed his father's arm. Father, don't move. Wait a moment. Chorich lifted his hand to his mouth and made the hooting sound of an owl, woo, woo, hoo-hoo. He paused and listened. Woo, woo, hoo-hoo, he heard in response. He tapped his father. All clear, let's go, Chorich said and smirked, though the darkness veiled his grin. Thought I should warn them we're coming before we get an arrow between the eyes. Alpin nodded, and the two pressed through the bushes. Anything. Les asked in a low voice as Alpin and Chorich emerged and approached. Nothing, nothing at all, Alpin said. How about here? Anything. Nothing, Ronan replied, holding his knife ready in his hand. He glanced down at his belt, found his sheath, and replaced the weapon. Something doesn't feel right. I know there were riders behind us. Maybe they turned back or lost our trail. Either way, we'll have to stay alert. The four made camp beside the boulders. After watering the horses and consuming a ration of dried venison, Alpin set a sleep rotation for the night. Two at a time were to remain awake on watch. Alpin claimed the first rotation and volunteered Ronan to join him. Chorich and Les took to their bedrolls and tried to sleep. Ronan relieved himself behind the boulders before setting out his bedroll and taking a seat. He faced west. Alpin sat a few feet from Ronan, able to glimpse Ronan from the corner of his eye. He faced east, staring into the trees twenty yards away. The two watchmen sat in the darkness fighting the weight of exhaustion. Their eyelids grew ever heavier as sleep beckoned their submission. You awake? Alpin asked. Ronan replied with a slow nod. The night hours slowly passed and the clouds began to separate in the black sky. At times, the moon broke through, full, bright, and round. The small camp remained quiet with the dull hum of silence, stirred only by the soft noise of the creek and the occasional croaking of a restless frog. Alpin glanced at Ronan. The young Scot sat half slumped on his bedroll, his head bobbing up and down as he breathed. Alpin inched toward Ronan. He placed his hand on Ronan's shoulder and pushed. Ronan's body crumpled to his bedroll, and he muttered unintelligibly yet never woke. Alpin let the boy lay. He turned from Ronan and sat up straight with his arms folded in his lap. He sighed heavily, and gazed into the night sky. Thoughts of his family filled his vision. God in heaven, where are my children? The question haunted him. He hated the Vikings. He hated them for their arrogance and savagery. Somehow, they believed it was their birthright to oppress and enslave. 
Alpin prayed for Nessa and his sons, wondering if he could ever save them. The thought of them as captives unnerved him and drove him mad. He had to find them. Alpin could sit no longer. Forcing his stiff legs to rise, he stood and began to pace, yet the wrenching in his heart refused to fade. He glanced at Chorich, asleep on his bedroll. His mind drifted back, recalling times not long past of him, and Ina caring for their young ones, Drosten sleeping beside Nessa and Chorich, they were just babes. But those times were gone. They were now only faint memories, memories that he could never know again. Alpin remained still, staring up at the heavens. The full moon above hung in the sky as if it were the white iris of God looking down upon him. Why? Why do you let us live and give us breath for each day? Yet, does not every day bring more misery than the one before? You say there is hope, the clerics tell us of your hope, but where? Where have you hidden it? Why have you taken it so far from us? You tell us to walk, and yet your burdens hardly permit us to crawl. Alpin shook his head, angry at himself, angry at the night, angry at God. He would not give thought to the days ahead or the days behind, both had their pains. He tried to fill his mind with better things, yet emptiness surrounded him as the hours passed. Midway through the night, the clouds vanished and the moon sat high in the southern sky. It was then that Alpin realized he was no longer alone. Chorich, Alpin whispered, nudging his son. Chorich, stay as you are. Alpin paused, his lips hardly moving as he spoke. There are shadows moving in the trees to the east. They're near, watching us. Chorich's heart jumped in his chest, instantly awakened by his father's words. How many? He whispered. I've seen two, but it's hard to say. Listen carefully. I will go to the creek as if to fetch some water. One of them will likely follow. Wake the others when I'm gone, we must not let them corner us. We have to split up and divide them. Chorich nodded his head. Alpin stood. He stretched his arms lazily and picked up his leather water sack. He ambled nonchalantly toward the creek. As he walked, he glanced at his bow and sword leaning against the rock near his bedroll. He passed them both. Alpin slipped into the shrubs at the edge of the creek. In the thick bushes, he stooped to a crouch. He peered back at the three, they were lying as he'd left them under the moonlight. Chorich lay unmoving, staring back at his father. Alpin nodded and disappeared into the creek. He dipped below the surface and submerged himself in the dark water. Below was a deeper darkness. Alpin's hands became his eyes. He pressed his fingers in the mushy creek bottom and crept downstream. Chorich remained still on his bedroll, facing the trees, taking in every noise and shadow. Then, among the distant trees, he saw movement. Branches blowing in the breeze or the figures of men. He questioned? There. There it was again, a figure, a man in the darkness moving through the trees toward the creek. Chorich rolled over and pulled himself to the others. Ronan, Ronan. He whispered loudly. The riders, they're in the woods. Wah! Ch Chorich shoved his palm over Ronan's mouth. The men my father saw, they're in the trees to the east. Ronan's eyes sprung open, wide and round. There, the shadow moving under the trees, by the creek, Chorich said. I don't see anything, Chorich, Ronan replied. He peered again, 
shifting and sitting up on his elbows for a better view. Wake Les, Chorich said. We need him up. I'm awake, Les growled in a hushed voice. You two need to settle down. If they're out there, then they'll see you looking for them. They need to think we don't know they're here, and we need to get our weapons and find cover. Agreed, but we have to split up, Chorich whispered. My father went to the creek, through that gap over there. I'm going to follow him. Chorich nodded his head in the direction of the opening in the bushes, then gazed back at the two. I'm certain I saw someone moving toward the creek, but there may have been others, I don't like this. All right, you stay with your father, Les replied. We'll post as lookouts behind the rocks. I'm leaving. Find cover. Ronan, signal me if you see anyone, but don't overdo it. Chorich peered into the eyes of his friends. He paused a moment and then turned and hurried to the creek. Alpin's legs scraped a fallen tree buried in the creek. He twisted and grabbed hold of the sunken trunk and then surfaced and sucked air into his lungs. With only his head above water, he sighted the trees along the north edge of the creek near the spot where he'd earlier seen the moving shadows. His eyes slowly combed the forest. Nothing. He peered downstream. A large willow tree protruded out over the water from the north bank. Its branches hung over the surface of the creek like long, crooked fingers. Seeing nothing, he submerged and vanished. Ronan, I'll get my bow, and then we've got to get behind those rocks, Les said, pointing to the large boulders to his left. Ronan nodded, then he jumped from his bedroll and scampered like a fox. He snatched his sword and disappeared behind the rocks. Les grabbed his bow and quiver and followed Ronan. Something rustled in the distance as he reached the rocks. Ronan, Les whispered in the darkness as he rounded the rear boulder. Ronan. A hand clasped Les's shoulder. Les spun, his fist ready to punch. It was Ronan. Don't do that. Les exclaimed. I heard something in the trees where Chorich said he saw movement. Les peered around the rock, trying to scan the trees, but the other boulders blocked his line of sight. He turned back to Ronan. Let's move over there, Les said, motioning toward the far rock. The two crouched low and moved forward from one boulder to the next until they reached the fifth and final boulder. Together, they peered over the large mass of granite and stared into the forest. Anything? Les asked. Nothing, Ronan said. But see those two big rocks beside the tree line. The two side by side. Les replied. Yes. If I run to them, can you see well enough to cover me? I think so, there should be enough light to see. You think, or you can. I'm not running out there for you to test your eyesight. Ronan exclaimed. Les looked down at his bow and then back at Ronan. Sure, as long as you run fast. Alpin's nose lifted above the water's surface. He had maneuvered downstream, and was now beside the large willow tree. Its lanky branches hovered overhead. Alpin surveyed the banks of the creek. Nothing no moving men, no moving shadows. He turned and peered upstream, again facing the grove of trees where he'd seen the shadows earlier. Feeling his way along the creek bottom, he slowly inched forward, his nose levitating above the water and his eyes scanning for his enemy. All right, get ready. I'm going and I'm not looking back, Ronan said. 
You can do this, right, Les? Yes, run like a rabbit. I'll shoot anything that moves. Except me, right? Ronan said, his voice tense. He lifted from his crooked stance and peered over the rock. I'm going. A buzzing arrow suddenly soared past Ronan's head and he dropped to the ground. What the hell was that? Can they see us? That was too close, Ronan. Don't get yourself killed. How can they see us, but we can't see them? Ronan said, not expecting an answer. He waited several moments and then inched up over the rock again. Swoosh! A second arrow passed overhead. Les, who is shooting at us? Why can't we see them? Ronan said, glancing down at Les in the moonlight. Les was lying prone on his belly, peering around the side of the rock. It's the big tree in the middle. That's where the last arrow came from. See that long thick branch, I think he's standing on the one below it. Well, I'm not running to those rocks. We need another plan, Ronan said. I have one, but you may not like it. I don't, Ronan said. Listen for a moment, it's not hard, maybe dangerous, but not hard. You're a real comfort, Les, Ronan muttered. It's simple. You stand up again? Stop there, Ronan whispered and held up his hands to quash the idea. Only for a moment, then you'll drop down quickly. Not dead, I hope. No, not dead. Now listen, once you stand, he'll shoot. Don't you think I know that? Ronan quipped. That's what he's been doing. Calm down, when he shoots, I'll see where he is. Then I'll shoot. I don't know, Les, what if there are two out there? Well, then we'll start over and you can stand up again, Les prodded. This will work, but you'll need to stand and drop quickly. I've got the drop quickly part. Let me get ready, Les said and he inched toward the side of the rock. Then he set his arrow and drew back his bow. All right? When I say go, you stand. Why am I the one standing? Ronan murmured under his breath. He crouched behind the boulder with his forehead pressed against its rough surface, and he mouthed a silent prayer. When he finished, he gazed down at Les and said, I'm ready, say go when you are. Go? Ronan popped his head above the rock. An arrow rushed toward him as he dropped to the ground. Then he heard a thump in the distance. What was that? He whispered. That, my friend, was a hell of a shot, Les boasted. You got him. Yes, I got him, did you think I'd miss? Have some faith. Better him than me, are there more? Ronan asked. Maybe you should stand up and find out, Les said as he set another arrow in his bow. Alpin crept back upstream in the center of the creek. His head appeared like a smooth helmet floating on the water under the light of the moon. He drew even with the cluster of trees where he had first seen movement. Where are the boys? Had they taken cover? Alpin asked himself. He turned his head toward the opposite bank, and his eyes combed across several bushes, a fallen log, and a few small saplings. He glanced downstream. He saw only the large willow and its eerie finger-like limbs hanging over the water. Slowly, he rotated his head upstream, studying the overgrowth along the bank between the willow and the collection of trees beside him. 
His heart jumped when he heard the sound of a crossbow cocking. His eyes swept to the far bank. A man stood ten feet away, hidden among the spindly trees lining the bank. The man was robed in black. His sleeves were long, extending to his wrists, and he wore a black scarf-like wrap covering his neck and head. Alpin had seen the black garb before. He had seen it at A. The man was staring upstream. Something wasn't right. Why was he setting his bow? The boys? Alpin leapt from the water, his knife clutched in his hand. The man startled and turned. Alpin threw his knife with force to kill. The weapon spun end over end and hit with a thump, burying its blade into the man's chest. The man's eyes fell to the knife. He lumbered and dropped to the ground. Alpin rushed from the water and hurried to finish his work, but there was no need. He pushed the man with his foot, and the man twitched and then stilled. As Alpin bent to reclaim his weapon, he heard the click of a second crossbow. He froze, his hand hovering two feet above the handle of his knife. A man, draped in the same black garb, stepped from the shadows of the forest. Alpin straightened and peered at the man. The man leveled his bow. Now you are the one who will. Die. Chorich's angry voice erupted from the darkness. He leapt forward and wrapped his limbs around the man's frame, clutching him like a spider to a fly. The man dropped his bow and stumbled under Chorich's weight. He tottered several more steps before the two crashed to the ground at the creek bank with Chorich landing on top. Chorich pushed on the man's chest and righted himself, pinning his enemy below him. Chorich released a torrent of blows and beat the man's face over and over, punching furiously with both fists. Blood oozed from Chorich's knuckles. With one arm wedged below Chorich's knee, the man wrestled to free himself. He grabbed a large stick and struck Chorich on the side of his head above the ear. Chorich rolled halfway off and tore the man's sleeve as he fought to right himself. Again, the man struck Chorich with the stick. Chorich tumbled sideways into the water, ripping away the man's sleeve as he fell. The man rolled and grabbed for Chorich. Chorich dodged, then grasped his opponent and pulled him into the creek. With a firm grip on his shoulders, Chorich spun the man and plunged him below the water. The man fought, kicking and clawing, madly searching for anything to lift himself from the suffocating water. In a matter of moments, the fight ended. Chorich rose and loomed over the water, staring down at the man's bloated face below the surface. The moon's light illuminated the dead man's skin and captured Chorich's reflection on the water's surface. A chill pulsed through Chorich's body. He pulled the man from the creek and dragged him to the bank. Then Chorich turned to his father. Alpin hunched beside a tree, struggling to hold himself upright while trying to push past the pain of the arrow protruding from his thigh. Father! You've been hit? Chorich yelled in a panic and rushed to his father. It went all the way through, Alpin said. His fingers scanned the tip of the arrow extending out the back of his leg. Blood streamed from both sides of the wound. Chorich exploded with rage and ran to the dead man on bank. He began kicking the man over and over, cursing with each blow. Les and Ronan suddenly appeared, and Ronan grabbed Chorich in a bear hug. Chorich wrestled to break free, but Les grabbed his arms to settle him. He's dead, Chorich. He's dead, Les shouted. Stop, stop, let go of me. The two released their hold, 
and Chorich raised his hands in surrender. Les turned to Alpin, are there any more? There are two here. Did you see any? Alpin replied, his voice weakening. We killed a third not far from where we slept, Les said. We found three horses down past the trees on the far side of the bank. Maybe we got them all. Let's hope, Alpin said, then he grimaced and clutched his thigh. Chorich gazed down at the man he'd beaten. He studied his frame and leaned over his body. Chorich, let it go. Alpin said. Chorich ignored his father and knelt beside the man. Chorich. Father. These men are picks. Chorich lifted the man's arm and pointed to the painted black patterns etched on the man's skin. They can't be picks. Alpin exclaimed. His eyes narrowed as he stared at the markings. These men are Britain mercenaries. Their black garb is the same we saw at A. He pushed away from the tree and limped toward Chorich. After a few steps, he stumbled. Les grabbed him and helped him to balance. I'm okay, Alpin said, and he brushed away Les's hand. Then he continued his hobble toward Chorich while Les shadowed him from behind. Alpin neared and studied the man's arm. Angus wouldn't send these men after us. We're his only ally against the Vikings. He knows he needs us. If this is a Pict, he must have defected from Angus some time ago. He's wearing the black garb of a Briton mercenary. Alpin lifted his eyes and gazed at the three. He paused for a moment and took a gulp of air. However, it's hard to believe the Britons would have sent men this far north. They must be mercenaries, possibly working for the Vikings, hired to track and kill us. Father, I don't trust Angus, Chorich said. They could be his men. I don't trust him either, but he's not foolish enough to fight against us. He is more clever than that. He'd have no help to fight the Vikings if he turned against the Scots, Alpin said, his voice weakening. No, not even Angus, in all his pride, would be so unwise. Alpin's voice failed him, and he fainted where he stood. Les caught Alpin, and eased him to the ground at Chorich's feet. Father! Chorich exclaimed. Are you all right? Father! Chorich tugged his father's arm, attempting to rouse him. Father! Alpin's eyes opened. He blinked several times before he found Chorich. Father, you fainted. You're losing a lot of blood. We need to stop the bleeding. I'm all right, Alpin said with a half-hearted voice. Then his eyes rolled back in his head and his eyelids shut. Father. Chorich grabbed his father's shoulders and shook him. Father. We have to stop the bleeding, Chorich. We can't stay here, Les said. We have to get help. 